Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So good to be back after a fun Dog Nation cruise and so nice to settle in here with so much to talk about today. Obviously, a lot of this centering on the NFL draft, which took place throughout the weekend. Obviously, on Thursday night, and that was the final night of our Dog Nation cruise there on that Thursday night there, watching another three dogs selecting the first round and two of those taken by the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, listen, we've got many, many days coming up where we'll kind of unpack everything that happened for UG in the NFL draft. John Stinchcomb is going to help us do some of that here today. But I want to focus in for a moment on what has been kind of the hot topic since the uh, draft, which is the fact that Philadelphia has kind of cornered the market in a lot of respects on former Georgia players. You know, the two guys selected in the first round this year, then Keely Ringo selected after that. You go back and look at last year, bringing in Kobe Dean and uh, and Jordan Davis. Obviously, the trade for the former Georgia running back, DeAndre Swift, which for him is a little bit of a homecoming there as well. So there has certainly been plenty of attention paid to the fact that a lot of former Georgia players are now calling Philadelphia home and the um, Eagles, to their credit, aren't shying away from any of this either. I want to show you this on the screen here for a moment of (laughs) the Philadelphia Eagles. So what this is, is this is the header for their Twitter page. So this is the official Eagles account. It's not a fan site or anything like that. It's the official Eagles account. And so underneath, you know, kind of the the avatar, I guess, and uh, and the Twitter username, they have you know their choice of whatever text to put there, and they put Philadelphia Georgia Bull Eagles or Georgia Delphia Eagle Dogs. Clearly, kind of laughing at the idea. They've taken so many uh, Georgia players, so much so they make that a part of their Twitter header for right now. Uh, Philadelphia reporters had reported the other day that Nick Sirianni, the Eagles coach, when he drove to the Eagles complex after the first round of the NFL draft, reportedly anyway, I don't think this is a joke, I think this is real, that he rolled down the window and shouted out Go Dogs" to all the reporters who were gathering to kind of, you know, get ready to cover the next day of the NFL draft for the Eagles. So they are obviously having some fun with this right now. And I think it's important to note here that when you go back and look at how all of these Georgia players have kind of ended up in Philadelphia and for a smart organization like the Eagles, they played in the Super Bowl after all last year, that that Howie Roseman, the respected NFL GM that he is, personnel man that he is, has made it kind of clear about why it is that so many Georgia players have kind of landed there. And and that's continued now for this additional year with Nolan Smith's arrival and Jalen Carter's arrival and then Keely Ringo's arrival there as well. Let's go back to a year ago after Nicobe Dean, the Georgia linebacker, the Buckus Award winner, kind of dropped in the draft, ended up falling in the lap of uh, the Philadelphia Eagles last year. Uh, Roseman talked about just how much he valued any player who had succeeded at Georgia because of the respect that he has for the Georgia defense. This is relevant. It's from a year ago, but it's obviously echoed what we saw again on Thursday night and throughout this NFL draft there as well. Howie Roseman, the Eagles GM, on his love for Georgia. You know, I had a chance to go down to Georgia because it's like one-stop shopping, you know, like a, if I'm going to go on a school call, like maybe just go to the place that there's like nine guys on defense that are going to be drafted. So I went down there and, you know, I'm asking about all these guys and I'm asking about Jordan and I'm asking about, you know, the other guys on defense. And, um, you know, at one point, you know, a guy who I'm really close with down there, he says to me, he's like, the best player on our defense is N'Kobe Dean. You haven't even asked about him yet. I'm like, I'm going to get to N'Kobe. I got him. Like, you know, like everyone there talks about the alpha dog. Everyone there talks about like this guy. And then you walk, put on the tape and it's instincts, it's explosiveness, it's toughness. It's just the, and you combine that with the character and 
it's like, man, this guy's got a chance to be a special player. And So obviously what he says about N'Kobe Dean there is really nice. That's an example of a play that kind of fell to them, maybe a little bit like the way that Nolan Smith sort of fell to them at the back end of this draft. Or maybe you even say Jalen Carter kind of fell to them, even though they took him ninth overall. But it's the first part of what uh, Roseman says there that I think stands out so much is that he openly telegraphs the idea that he views Georgia as a one-stop shop for everything the Eagles need there on defense. And, you know, I don't have to tell you, you don't get a better commercial for Georgia football than Howie Roseman saying that because here's the thing you got to understand. Roseman isn't just any GM. I think that Roseman is largely viewed as maybe the best personnel man in the entire NFL. In fact, there was some reporting here over the course of the last couple of days. You may have seen this NFL Network, other places sort of had this, that some GMs anonymously have been kind of coming out behind the scenes saying they're getting tired of all of the credit that Roseman gets for what he does every NFL draft. They think that he's you know getting so much love, so much attention that it's actually kind of getting on their nerves. So it's not just that an NFL GM has fallen in love with Georgia. It's an NFL GM that's fallen in love with Georgia that the rest of his colleagues have kind of got annoyed by him because everybody always talked about how smart this guy is. So arguably the smartest GM in the NFL is the one that's zeroed in on uh, Georgia here as the kind of players he wants to bring in. And this is kind of funny and enjoyable. You know, Philadelphia obviously kind of leaning into the whole, you know, eagle dog thing. And Georgia fans have kind of loved all of that. But what some of you may be aware of that kind of makes this a little juicier is the fact that Roseman also happens to be a graduate of the University of Florida, one of the rare Florida grads to get gainful employment. But nonetheless, Roseman, as the GM of the Philadelphia Eagles, is also a Florida grad. So he was asked about this is a short clip, but he was asked about that on one of the interviews that he was doing post NFL draft. And he acknowledged that this that the newfound love he has for UGA is probably not putting him in good graces right now with his alma mater. This is funny from Roseman. Take a listen to this. And, um, you know, I'm sure I'm out of the Florida Alumni Association as we speak. <laughs> uh, we'll work backwards a little so, bit yeah, this, the Georgia uh, guys that you've taken. Yeah, so listen, in, in this particular case, not only do we love the idea that Roseman's taking uh, so many Georgia players, but the fact that he's basically had to, like, uh, step back and say, hey, my alma, alma mater, the Florida Gators, those lousy, stinking Gators, they don't like me very much right now, which is kind of funny as well if you're a Georgia fan, because not only was this draft, another 10 players drafted, that gives you a 25 in the last two years, that's a record in what we call like the com- you know common draft era, you know, the, the hall that Georgia's put forth over the course of the last two years, but not only is all of this really good for UGA, it is really bad as well for one of your hated rivals because Florida, like a lot of Georgia rivals in the draft, maybe didn't quite have things go for them the way they want to. And listen, one of the things we try not to do around here very much is kind of, you know, I, I like to mock coaches because they make millions. We don't typically mock players a ton, you know, very much just because, you know, they're a little, you know, lower down on the uh, pay chart from time to time. But every now and then we'll kind of take a pause from our typical protocol uh, when we feel like it's necessary. And certainly over the years, a guy like Brenton Cox, the former five star who left Georgia to go to Florida, that's been the kind of thing that a lot of Florida fans have tried to use against UGA. Ah, you had Brenton Cox, but you couldn't use him. He wanted to come to Florida. And over the years, Cox himself has been pretty outspoken on social media. In fact, I'll show you one of these as an example from the past uh, when Georgia put out a uh, thing, you know, uh, what is it, a year or so ago uh, about the grind never stops, Georgia getting ready for the upcoming season. Then Brenton Cox on Twitter comes out to say, hey, you better get ready for me. You know, that's the kind of trash that Brenton, talk, uh, Brenton Cox was always seeming to uh, talk about Georgia, always seeming to, you know, want to go out there and, uh, you know, say this and say that, always talking to himself up, always kind of seemingly being a, a little outspoken on, on, you know, about himself. 
And ultimately, Brenton Cox, as many of you are aware, didn't even get drafted. Brenton Cox wasn't even selected in the most recent NFL draft. The example of a guy like uh, Cox who left Georgia, which has done nothing but produce big-time draft picks, goes to a place like Florida and ultimately did not even hear his name called throughout the weekend had to sign as an undrafted free agent Uh, that's not a good thing to see and then there was the other thing that some florida fan put out some fan site thing put out kind of mocking georgia for its quarterback being selected in the fourth round whereas the uh, florida quarterback anthony richardson was selected what fourth overall by the indianapolis colts he thought he was going to get a uh a lot of juice off this saying that richardson was the first round pick taking the fourth round stetson bennett was uh only a fourth round pick and taking 128 overall uh but ultimately as you may see this tweet pretty much got uh, you know ratioed with uh, not even just georgia fans but even non-georgia fans sort of laughing at the idea that florida thinks it's a good thing their quarterback was taking number four overall when they got beat as bad as they did by georgia and so many other teams here this year so the overall point the bottom line on all of this is that this past weekend was a great time to be a georgia bulldog because you had smart guys like howie roseman doing whatever they could to acquire bulldogs and a hated rival like the lousy stinking gators all they really were were the butt of jokes and they were laughed at even with one of their players going number four overall that the overall story for georgia could not get much better than it is right now reigning two-time national champion uh one of the most talked about teams on draft night and draft weekend the last two years and rivals doing whatever they can do to try to get some attention uh but ultimately really only getting laughed at good time to be a dog indeed right now my name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, and glad to be back with you again after what we thought was a very successful Dog Nation cruise. But listen, always fun to be back talking Georgia football with you here today. So for those of you who join us uh, on video, whether it be 945, first and 15, dognation.com, or across any other video platform, including dognation.com at 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, or maybe on the radio on App and Sports Radio 960 The Ref, or as a podcast, wherever you find them including apple spotify worldfamousdognation.com whichever platform you choose to use we are so happy to have you as a part of what we're doing here today on dog nation daily presented by pella window and door of george and a big thanks to our friends at pella window and door of george for making it all possible for you there as well and a huge thanks to them also for what they do for us and the folks in our audience here equipping your house with energy efficient windows and doors we're really kind of coming into a time of year in which that really matters because let's face it air conditioning is expensive and in georgia spring and summer you're really cranking that up and you're really using all of that so much and you don't want that expensive ac creeping out of your house and ending up you know outside because of you know improperly sealed or just you know low quality windows and doors you want the quality product that pella is known for to kind of keep the inside of your house where it's supposed to be on the inside of your house and the good thing about pella is there as well makes your house look better on the outside taking care of your curb build just a great way to be a great neighbor it's also a really good way to potentially benefit you on your resale value there as well that is just what pella window and door of georgia is all about taking really good care of uh helping folks take really good care of their homes and doing the right thing to make sure your home is properly equipped with the very best 
product line available. And that is what Pella Window and Door of Georgia is all about. So you can stop by and see them in their experience center in Duluth. And you kind of put your hands on the product, on, on the product. You can sort of feel what makes the Pella windows, what makes the Pella doors, uh, you know, different, special. You can feel that. And you can have a no pressure, con, you know, conversation with one of those Pella experts that can walk you through the entire line of products, your installation options, in some cases, your financing options. And you can kind of find out what is out there for you. You can also take advantage of great savings there, too, because between now and May 22nd, you can get 10% off your entire project or 0% APR for 24 months. That is what they're all about. So stop by and see them in Duluth or give them a call, 678-638-1429. That's 678-638-1429. Pellaofga.com slash dognation is also the uh, web address. That's pellaofga.com slash dognation. You can find them today, and we're certainly happy to have Pella Window Indoor of Georgia as a part of Dog Nation Daily here today. All right, a little bit of a uh, update for you. We do have John Stinchcomb on the show today, but this is also – the uh, weekend where the UGA Athletic Board is meeting. John's obviously a part of that. So John in the meeting here right now, John's going to step out a little bit later on. It's about a half hour from right now or so, a little later than normal. We're going to speak to John Stinchcomb today, and this will be a fun thing to talk to John about. He knows what it's like to be a Georgia player that moves on to the NFL, and he'll help us make sense of a lot of the Georgia players who did just that here over the course of the weekend. Prior to that, though, I want to go around the doghouse here today. And let me tell you this, and I'm gonna, you know, we started the show intentionally with something kind of fun and kind of light because I want to kind of get a little bit more into something that I think is a little bit more serious here for a moment, and maybe not quite as positive. And if you're a Georgia fan, here's what I'm gonna tell you: I think you have a right to ask some questions about what is going on because it seems like over the course of the last couple of years there have been a lot of negative whispers innuendos in some respects about Georgia players moving the NFL draft and I think we have a lot of evidence that a lot of this cannot really be substantiated you know I'll give you some more examples of this here in a moment but if you look at just this year's draft alone think about what two of the big stories leading into the NFL draft was oh character concerns for Jalen Carter and oh Stetson Bennett you know doing himself no favors after his Georgia career came to an end because of you know obviously the arrest in Dallas but you know a couple of other things there as well that people kind of wanted to grab onto for him and we had that if you're a Georgia fan, you had those storylines, those narratives beaten over your head over and over and over again. But when it's all said and done, I mean, ultimately, Jalen Carter went ninth overall and the smartest GM in the league, Howie Roseman, traded up to get him. I think it's fair to point out that after all was said and done on Jalen Carter, all of the stuff about character concerns calling him, you know, causing him to really fall in the draft. I think that was proven not to be a thing. I think that was proven to be much ado about nothing. And I think it helped fill a lot of TV time and it helped fill a lot of, you know, web pages and, you know, click counts and things like that. But in terms of actually being a repercussion that Carter had to deal with, I think the proof is in the pudding. That just simply was not the case. And in the case of Stetson Bennett, it's kind of the same thing there as well, that if you would have asked a lot of folks prior to the NFL draft, what is the absolute best case scenario for Bennett in terms of where he could be drafted? I think a lot of folks would say, hey, somewhere around that fourth round. Now, you can say as a Georgia fan, well, I think he should have been drafted higher than that. And, and you know, maybe he should have. I mean, maybe you feel that way. But the truth is, the overall consensus that the kind of top end projection for Bennett in terms of where he might be drafted was around the fourth round. Well, guess what? That's what he was done. That's what he was. He was drafted you know, in the fourth round by a Super Bowl winning coach, Sean McVay, who's very quarterback friendly. And he's paired with uh, Matthew Stafford out there. And it seems like that Bennett has kind of landed in a really good spot. And it seems like the Rams, based on some of the reporting that's been out there that you've probably seen, it seems like that the Rams were very eager to add Stetson Bennett. So the whole idea of, 
you know, the uh, silly arrest out in Dallas, which Bennett should not have done, but nonetheless, the idea that the arrest in Dallas or not going to the dadgum senior bowl or whatever else that was, you know, sort of, you know, kind of put out there as, as some sort of evidence that Bennett wasn't handling himself well after his college career came to an end. Ultimately, Bennett was drafted in the fourth round. So this may have been good for kind of the media cycle leading into the NFL draft. But once again, we see an example of all of the buzz about so-and-so apparently falling in the draft. That was all make-believe. That was all nonsense that, that Bennett was actually drafted near what the front-end projection of him would have ever been. And we had some of this stuff going on a year ago, too. And, you know, even after what was a successful you know draft for Georgia, you still have this sort of, you know, kind of quiet, anonymous sourcing on things that seems to be an issue for Georgia right now in a way that it doesn't seem to be an issue for a lot of other, uh, you know, teams. And if you're a Georgia fan, as I said before, I think you have a right to ask, you know, what is going on with this, in- including the whole idea that the chatter around Carter, the negative stuff about him having character concerns and things like that, the fact that it actually came from Georgia coaches. There's a uh, a guy named Mike Florio, you may know him. He's the uh, founder of a website called ProFootballTalk.com. If you care about the NFL, you've probably been to Pro Football Talk over the years. It's a uh, you know has been a very popular. It used to be kind of a blog site, we'd call that, but it's something a little bit different, I guess, maybe now. But Florio had some reporting the other day, as I said, that that the whole idea of the bad stuff that we heard about Jalen Carter prior to the draft that actually came from Georgia coaches. Let me show you what Florio has put his name to. This is reporting from him. And this is, by the way, a quote that the Georgia coaches are not happy with Jalen Carter and they're not afraid to say so. And that's not a typical dynamic because usually you're effusive about the guys that played for you, but your own credibility is important. That's Mike Florio saying that from Pro Football Talk. And I'm here to tell you one thing. I don't believe this. I don't believe it for a minute. I think there is absolute circumstantial, not circumstantial evidence, but I think there's absolute evidence to, to kind of at least suggest the idea that what Florio's not what it's saying is just not true. Now, I'm not saying he made it up and probably got it from somewhere, but whoever he got it from, I believe there's a chance they are making this up because I think the actions here, both of Kirby Smart and the actions of guys that trust Kirby Smart sort of indicate that there is no deep belief somehow within the Georgia program that Carter, you know, wasn't a good guy or that he wasn't the kind of you know guy that the, his teammates felt like they could trust. This just sort of feels like, once again, something we've seen examples of, of Georgia kind of harmed a little bit by some some anonymous sourcing kind of putting out negative stories into the uh into the into the world there in this case coming from mike florio and if in fact if you want to contrast what florio says that he heard about the georgia coaches and their belief about jalen carter we actually can go to kirby smart on the record on the day of georgia's pro day in terms of what he thought about jalen carter you don't have to find out behind the scenes what Kirby thought about Carter. Car, uh, Kirby said it about Carter on the record. This goes back to uh, you know a couple of months ago on the date of Georgia's pro, uh, pro day. Here's Kirby Smart on Carter. Been a lot of questions about Jalen, uh, which probably was inevitable anyway because when you start talking about, I mean, I got a lot of questions about Trevon Walker when he came out. So there's a lot of questions generally, but with the situation, probably more um, questions and more direct. And just try to be honest and uh, talk about the experiences we had with Jalen here, which um, you know Jalen did not have to come back and play after his first injury, nor after his second injury. In both times, he wanted to overcome that injury. He begged us to put him in in games he was hurt. So the competitive character he's shown I think has been really good and I also think his teammates um, really respect Jalen like Jalen earned the respect of his teammates they uh, they love being around him so that's a lot of the things you can say about him 
So I think the phrase that Smart uses there is really important, the idea of competitive character. That's one thing I think we would have all said we saw from Jalen Carter. Who anybody is when the TV cameras aren't on or when the fans aren't around, who anybody is away from the watchful eye, you know, who knows about anybody on that, but we can all judge competitive character. And, and in that situation, we saw that from Jalen Carter. I think Smart's phrasing there I think is pretty interesting. Now, if you're cynical, here's what you're saying right now, and I totally understand this. Well, B.A., of course Kirby Smart's going to say something publicly that's praise. You know, every every coach sort of says nice things when the cameras are turned on. And to an extent, that's probably true. But here's the point I kind of want to bring home here for a moment. I think that Georgia's unfortunately had to deal with more of this than they possibly should have, which is, you know, we heard Florio say a moment ago in in the quote that I read, the idea of, of a coach's credibility being important. And Kirby Smart has a lot of credibility with Howie Roseman, the Philadelphia Eagles GM, who we talked about earlier, maybe being you know the best in sport here right now. Do you think that Kirby Smart is going to burn the credibility he has with Roseman, who's selected so many of these Georgia players? Do you think that Kirby Smart's going to burn that? Do you think that Kirby Smart is going to somehow do anything to harm that? And what we saw from Philadelphia was not only did they select Jalen Carter, they traded up to do so which means they had to be extra sure this was a player they wanted because they're going to have to give additional draft capital to be able to do that. So do you think that 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 Howie Roseman, who he just said, I view Georgia to be a one-stop shop because of how well-coached all these guys are, if Kirby Smart was saying to coaches behind closed doors what Mike Florio said he was saying, do you think Howie Roseman's trading up to get Jalen Carter, a guy who's been said to be the smartest GM in the league, do you think he's doing that? Obviously, that's not the case. Now, I want to kind of bring this point home a little bit more, too, because this isn't the first time that Georgia players have sort of dealt with this sort of weird whisper campaign against them in the draft. It, it, you know, Carter, because of the character concerns this year, but you go back to a year ago, a couple of guys that had to sort of deal with those sort of red flag over injury concerns. And once again, you know, Kirby behind the scenes was forced to go to bat for uh, a couple of his players, including we talked about before Nicobe Dean, who was the Buckus Award winner, who was sort of largely viewed to maybe be the best player in the Georgia defense in 2021, at least in terms of production on the field that year. And yet on draft night uh, a couple of years ago, draft weekend, he was slipping and he was and, and he was falling. And and once again, you know, Howie Roseman kind of you know relayed you know the the conversation that he had with Georgia about just how sure he was that Nicobe Dean was going to be a really good pick. Do you think Kirby Smart wants to burn this kind of credibility that he has with the GM like Howie Roseman? Here's a reminder of what Roseman said about the conversation with Kirby uh, around that draft a year ago. And so um, I was the same way. You know, when we were going to take him in the second, there wasn't even this discussion. All right, you know, he's a linebacker. He didn't test, you know, maybe falls to the second round. Got it, you know. And we picked Cam, and that was, that was a hard decision, you know. And and then you kind of get out of your mind. There's like, there's no way Nicobe's going to fall to our next pick. So you don't even think about it. You know, you're just like, I just lost Nicobe Dean. And you're a little bummed, but that's what happens in the draft. You're going to lose players. And then as it started to get like, you know, 10 to 15 picks away, and I'm a little superstitious, so like I don't even want to speak it, you know? I kind of wrote it down. I, wrote, I, I, I literally wrote on a piece of paper, Nicobe Dean, Nicobe Dean, right? And I wrote it, and because I, I, I figured, you know, there's some even probably people in our draft room are like, he ain't going to pick a linebacker. You know, he's not going to do it, right? That's probably <laughs> what you were saying. And so I yes. wrote it just so people knew. And, um, and when I walked out and I, I went to our docs, I'm like, am I missing something? And like, no, Howie, we talked about Nicobe Dean. Like, they, we're telling you, we're good. If you draft him, he's going to be there. And then, at, like, five picks before I picks, I said, you're sure? And we went through it. And um, then it was just, you know, really excited to get him. Once again, 
Do you think Kirby Smart is going to burn the credibility that he has, the GM like Howie Roseman, by pushing a player on him that he doesn't believe in? Of course that's not the case. Which would then lead you to believe, well, if that guy, Roseman, who spoke so openly and fondly about N'Kobe Dean, all these Georgia players, if that guy's trading up for Jalen Carter, it must mean that Roseman knows that what Florio is trying to sell at Pro Football Talk must not be true. Otherwise, you're not trading up to get the guy at number nine. You're just not. The evidence here outweighs the the whisper campaign, the anonymous sourcing, the whatever else. I think I think the actions here speak differently than that. And and sometimes you know it, it's not just the the whole idea of. Oh, well, character concerns with the player. We once again sort of had an issue with Georgia players red flag because of injury. Isn't that kind of what caused Darnell Washington to drop to the third round? You know, finally uh, selected by the, uh, the the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it sort of feels like we sort of dealt with the same thing around some Georgia players a year ago there as well. Think about Jamari Salyer, who had the inexplicable drop. And, you know, ultimately Salyer went on to kind of prove that the concerns that existed around him were nonsense. He had a very good rookie year, as Brandon Staley said, kind of saved our season. And Staley, the Chargers coach, also, and you've heard this clip before on this show, kind of talk about some of those private closed door conversations that he had with Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart does believe that his credibility with other coaches is important and he's not going to burn that over anything which leads you to believe the stuff that's been said about Jalen Carter must not have been true. Here is a reminder Brandon Staley the Chargers coach talking about private off the record conversations he had had with Kirby Smart about the whispers and the innuendo about Jamari Salyer a year ago simply not being true. This is Staley. When those guys walk across the stage, you're seeing a dream come true right before your eyes. And then now you have access to their families, their coaches, how they made it here. And it's just amazing. And last year, you know, my favorite story probably from my first two years is, you know, we picked Jamari Sawyer in the sixth round. Great this guy year. ends up like saving our season. Yeah. And um, I spoke at Kirby Smart's clinic at Georgia last year. And, you know, they had a million guys coming out. He does a great job. And uh, Jamari is a guy that we really loved in the draft process. You know, kind of the rounds are going and there's some, you know, there's some stuff about, you know, know some of his medical history stuff like that and um, but we love this player and we're there and it's getting like the sixth round I call Kirby smart on the phone I'm Directly like hey man I'm like, I, I'm like hey Kirby you know, we need to talk and uh, you know and just trying to find out for Tom and Jojo and um, you know he just he says hey, Brandon I promise you this guy's the real deal and sure enough this guy we pick him he has a fantastic season and you know we probably picked him two or three rounds too late but right? you know better late than never but it was just one of those things where you're on the clock and you, you're trusting the relationships that you built with people and you're getting that information in real time and you know for us to go pick him um you know just a, it was a great moment for the charge listen i want to repeat myself on something if you're a georgia fan i think you have a right to ask what is going on here with some of this kind of stuff and if you're a Georgia fan, I think you have a right to be a little bit upset about it. And let me tell you what this is not. This is not, oh, so-and-so said something bad about one of my favorite players, and so therefore I'm mad. That's, that's not what this is. It goes beyond that. It's also an issue in which some of the negative whispers that have existed around Georgia players have just flat out proven not to be true. In the case of Jamari Salyer a year ago, dropping the draft for inexplicable reasons, Chargers grab him. They say, well, hey, we should take him three rounds earlier because he ended up being a very important offensive lineman for this team. Whisper campaign, Jalen Carter, even the Georgia coaches don't like him. You know, ultimately, uh, a team that has a direct pipeline to a GM like the Eagles trade up to get Jalen Carter. It seems fairly obvious to refute the idea that the Georgia coaches were trashing Carter behind the scenes. That seems like an obvious, uh, you know, you know, thing that you can pretty easily, easily disprove based on how the draft played out. 
Same thing, you know, for other guys there as well who have kind of dealt with whatever whisper against them only to go on to have uh, you know, a lot of love on draft night like Stetson Bennett, you know, taking the fourth round, pretty high draft pick given, you know, where he had kind of tested out, where he kind of measured out and a lot of other guys there as well. That for whatever reason, it seems like George is dealing with a lot of anonymous whispers, anonymous, you know, suggestions, red flag this and that. You know, all Georgia does is put guys in the NFL and so many of those guys go on to great success once they get there. Georgia fan I think you have a right to be a little bothered by the fact that the pre-draft process has played out in such a negative fashion for Georgia players who I think deserve better from the media who covers this event we'll make that around the doghouse here today and we get John Stinchcomb coming up in a couple of minutes before that though I do want to tell you about something really fun getting ready to get going here around dog nation over the course of the uh, uh, next week or so we're getting ready to start our Kroger perfect moms contest obviously Georgia coming off a perfect season that was so much fun to be able to see but listen uh, we also look forward to Mother's Day and the moms in our lives who are just always there kind of perfectly for us anytime we need something and this is something we've kind of done for uh, a few years around here we want to certainly take some time to do that there as well celebrating the great moms in our audience and and showing some love to them for the great things they've done for us over the course of years so if you go to the top of the page at dognation.com you can find out all the information about the kroger perfect moms contest and you can even find out about how you can nominate your mom to be one of our kroger perfect mom winners let me kind of give you some of the uh stuff that's going to go on here uh if you are one of the moms that selected or if the mom that you nominated selected to be our kroger perfect mom are going to get $350 in gift cards courtesy of Kroger. So we want to hear why the mom in your life is that perfect mom. And as I said before, you're going to get a $150 Kroger gift card, a $100 Macy's gift card, and a $100 Bath and Body Works gift card. So a lot of great gift cards to sort of celebrate the moms in our lives who are doing great things for us. So go to dognation.com. Tell us why the mom that you know, the mom that you love, whether it be your wife who's a mom or your own mother or in some cases maybe some of you have you know uh, uh children have gone on to be mo- mothers you want to celebrate them there as well uh we can do all of that so there is a form right at the top of the page dognation.com easy to find easy to click into and you can register it's very 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 easy to do uh, we're going to start announcing our winners here the week of may 8th so we're going to give you this week to kind of get this in there and then starting next week may 8th we're going to start announcing our winners there on that obviously don't forget there as well that mother's day is may the 14th so go ahead and be getting ready to get all your plans for mother's day there at kroger the food that you might want to serve on that great meal or the gifts gift cards greeting cards things like that all of that there for you at your local Kroger. And don't forget, throughout the rest of this week, we'll be taking uh, submissions for our Kroger Perfect Moms uh, giveaway contest that we're going to be running here over the course of the next few days. Go to dognation.com to find out more about that. So quick reiteration here. It's John Stinchcomb, about 15 minutes from right now. Looking forward to having him on. But for now, I want to kind of step away from Georgia and look at some of the other stories around the SEC because, to me, there is a lot fascinating about uh, the draft in terms of the other SEC teams. And, to, and and there's also, by the way, a couple of stories that have kind of happened over the last couple of days we haven't had a chance to uh, catch up with on yet. So let's do all of that right now. Uh, before we bring on John Stinchcomb, let's get ready to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. It's fun to be doing the SEC Through again and fun to be reliving 
some of the great memories from our Dog Nation cruise. And, of course, we're looking forward to uh, kind of telling you some about that over the course of the next couple of days. Y'all, I just tell you right now, the, uh, the the bonding experience you have when you're on a ship like that for so many days with so many folks, it's just it's such a good time. And, and I hope that next year we're able to do all this again and have all of you on board there with us. Certainly hope that's the case. But for now, if you hear us talking about how much fun we had and how much we enjoyed all of that, uh, the next best thing you can do is to book your own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation with our great friend Jessica Slater, terrific travel agent who worked so hard to make sure everybody had a great time on this trip. And she'll do the same thing there for you there as well. So you can give her a call 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. And it's time to get talking about the summer cruise travel that you want to make your plans for. But you got to do it now because, listen. I'm telling you right now, these Royal Caribbean cruise ships are selling out just like that. Cruise travel is so hot right now. People are so back and in on this again. So it's important to act quickly when you kind of settle in on the cruise itinerary you want to be a part of. Uh, Later on this summer, I'm going to be able to take my family and my mom and my brother and his family going to join us on a short three-night cruise. One of those things where, like, everybody's got stuff going on. You're trying to get a lot of schedules, trying to get folks planned together. So let's do the short three-night cruise over the course of a weekend. Let's, uh, you know, get in, get out, and kind of get back on with life that's an opportunity that's available to you we just run a four-night cruise it means we left on monday came back on friday you're not kind of spilling into either weekend for those of you have a lot going on on the weekends that's a great opportunity but for some of you you hear about all the fun that takes place on a royal caribbean cruise vacation you're like listen i want the full experience i want everything that royal caribbean has to offer and that means you may want one of those seven night cruises on board one of those oasis class ships largest cruise ships you know at sea I was on Wonder of the Seas back in February. I can certainly attest how much fun that was. So whatever itinerary you think might make sense for you, there is a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation out there for you. So we're going to tell you more about our Dog Nation cruise and the fun that we had, but I want you to contact Jessica Slater, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. You can find out more about that there today. All right, we're going to get ready to go cruise around the SEC here just for a moment. And some of this is going to be SEC news that happened while we're gone. Some of this is going to be stuff in the NFL draft. Uh, we're just going to cover it all here for a moment. I want to start with this. This is actually revisiting a topic that we addressed the other day. What we said was on this show was that I thought the NFL draft would be pretty instructive about how the league views what Josh Heupel's doing offensively. Because you'll remember the other day, Kirby Smart was you know talking about quarterbacks kind of off the a little bit off the off the cuff a little bit was talking about how nobody uh you know asked their quarterbacks to do more than georgia does and smart sort of, sort of casually said you know there are some offenses out there that all they want to do is go fast basically insinuating that the offense is simplified so they can move faster some people sort of thought that was a little bit of a jab against josh heupel what we saw on the show at the time is heupel hasn't risen to the level that kirby smart's gonna be taking sort of veiled jabs at him if heupel actually wins something then maybe kirby will do that but for now we just don't think that josh heupel's really on kirby smart's radar all that much nor should he be but heupel nonetheless kind of took the bait on this because then you know press conference a few days later this is back during spring practice he was out there talking about how hey no team asked their quarterbacks do more than we do based on all the decisions they're forced to make you know in, in a given offensive sequence and a lot of folks kind of thought that was some sort of response to kirby smart a lot of tennessee fans hope that it was but we said listen you know right now hypo's not on the radar of kirby smart they can't be considered rivals but in terms of how the tennessee offense is viewed and how sophisticated and how much of a pipeline 
of the uh, you know to the NFL this is the draft would determine some of that that if the uh, draft guys showed respect to Hendon Hooker if you went in the first round you know if these Tennessee wide receivers get that same kind of love then that would be an indication that you know what Josh Heupel is going to be taken seriously as the kind of offense that cultivates NFL talent well based on this year's draft I think you'd have to say that's actually a pretty big disappointment Hendon Hooker doesn't go into the third round the two wide receivers Cedric Tillman and uh, Jalen Hyatt they don't go into the third round either you know Hyatt was putting up numbers this past year that you know I think would have been envious for anybody yet ultimately when NFL scouts personnel men GMs look in on Hyatt look in on Tillman who had a you know a prolific career even you know prior to last season a little bit banged up a year ago they don't see first round type stuff going on here now you say, well, if Hendon Hooker hadn't, you know, torn his ACL or something like that, which obviously is an issue, but it's not like he's ever going to play again. Uh, you know, you had, you know, Mike Tannenbaum guys like that saying they'd still drive him first round, even with the ACL injury. So it wouldn't have been impossible for uh, Hooker to be drafted in the first round with an injury. But the fact that he wasn't taken until he was sort of shows you that, hey, for right now, what it seems like Hypo may be running at Tennessee is viewed a little bit as a gimmick style offense. That it didn't benefit Tillman and Hyde on draft night, didn't really benefit Hooker. And that's going to be the knock, I think, on Josh Heupel going forward of when you got Joe Milton this upcoming year, potentially Nico Imaleva, if you want to switch over to him, you know, Brew McCoy kind of becomes the next wide receiver in place at Tennessee. There's no doubt in my mind, Vol's going to score points. Now, how good of a team will they be? We don't know, but they're going to score points. But it is also a true thing right now that they have not quite won the attention, the respect of NFL scouts the way they probably hoped they would. This year's draft, I think, sort of suggests that. I don't, I don't think it was a very successful weekend for the Tennessee Vols brand based on how this year's draft played out. I'll also mention this. I don't take any great pleasure in, in, in saying what I'm about to say right now. Even off the top of the show, we talked about Brenton Cox not being drafted. You know, we, we don't like mocking players or anything like that. But it is interesting, though how many names that we have spent a lot of time talking about over the years around here, how many names ultimately did not hear their name called over the course of a draft weekend. Brenton Cox being one of those. That's a former five-star that transferred to Florida. One of, I think, only three, I think, five-stars that Kirby's recruited to Georgia that went undrafted. Uh, a little bit of a backstory behind all of those guys, maybe in one respect. But Brenton Cox is an example of that. Did you see where uh, Jaden Hazelwood did not get drafted? Hazelwood, who's you know kind of dealt with some injury stuff, but listen, <laughs> some of y'all thought we were too obsessed over him at the time. But when Hazelwood was a wide receiver in that class, was it 2019? Was that 2019 class? 2018 maybe? 2018, 2019, whatever year that was. And we talked about you know Hazelwood coming out of the Cedar Grove program and how much we wanted Georgia to land. What we thought at the time looked like a really elite receiver. Hazelwood goes to Oklahoma, doesn't quite work out there, ends up transferring to Arkansas. And listen, we're not happy about this. We're not mocking Hazelwood, but it's just interesting to note for all the chatter that he uh, generated on shows like this for such a long time, when it's all said and done, the college career did not really add up to what we thought it might. And he ultimately ends up kind of looking at the undrafted free agent path for the NFL career. Eli Ricks kind of much the same way. There's a lot of backstory there with Ricks about a lot of different things, but that's another one of those guys that, gosh, we talked about Ricks a lot, even though, you know, he really wasn't ever that connected to Georgia, it doesn't seem. But, you know, he's kind of a candidate at one point in time as a recruit. Then some people thought he might be a candidate at one point in time as a transfer type name and never really materialized between him and Georgia. And ultimately, for, for Ricks, the college career doesn't really materialize either. And, 
you know, I'm not close enough to the situation to know why that is, but it's just important to know for every one of these high profile elite recruits that we obsess over that go on to be great. And statistically speaking, a lot of them do. The recruiting industry actually does a really good job, it would seem, at kind of identifying the guys that can be big time draft picks. Ultimately, <laughs> It doesn't quite work out for everybody. And we certainly had a couple of high profile names. Uh, and that was the case. I saw where uh, Florida lost a, uh, a recruiting like a transfer battle to uh, Ohio State. The other day. We talked the other day about Ohio State needing um, some offensive line help, some uh, uh, transfer help in particular, at the offensive tackle spot. Josh Simmons is a guy they end up bringing in from San Diego State as a guy that that hopes kind of, you know, kind of bolsters some of the. Uh, you know some of their needed offensive line they try to do that in the wintertime weren't able to do that try to get in the spring but the other thing that's kind of funny about this is ohio state wins with simmons but in florida's case they had kind of extended an offer to simmons out of the portal ended up not getting him on campus uh, he ends up going to ohio state and set and instead and this is one of those things that's i think actually kind of ended up kind of working against billy napier in the eyes of his own fans i guess the buzz around florida is is that Napier was trying to manage the portal in such a way that he didn't want to host any transfer visitors until after the portal window closed. And I think the conventional wisdom is, and this is not reporting, this is just people reading between the tea leaves, that maybe by holding off on bringing transfers into your program to visit your campus, you're also you know, holding off on a Florida player seeing you bring in a player to his position saying, well, if you're hosting this guy, what does that mean for me? Now I'm going to you know, think about going to the portal myself. You know, that was one of the suggested reasons why maybe Billy Napier has not been uh, wanting to host some of these transfer visitors while the portal window has been open. It closed yesterday. The portal window is now closed. But what this ultimately ends up being is, I think, another example two years in a row here of Florida just having a little bit of an issue when it comes to adding big-time talent via the transfer portal. This is a roster that has needed some help. Uh, I think Billy Napier has said when he first took the job that they wanted to be as active as anybody when it comes to acquiring guys in the transfer portal. And yet either there haven't been the kind of players in the portal available that Florida truly needed, or in some case, when it had a chance to get them, it's just been beaten for the guy like Simmons who goes to Ohio State instead of going to Florida. In other words, Billy Napier, who does not have much to show for the start of his Florida career thus far, would seem to be right now not having a great offseason either. Obviously, the, the the quarterback transfer, he brought in Graham Mertz from Wisconsin. That does not seem to be moving the needle very much. The second spring window, the portal does not seem to be paying very many dividends for Florida right now there as well. And for a team that struggled with, you know, just to barely make a bowl a year ago, the outlook for the Gators on the field this season, I don't quite know how you would think it would be all that much better necessarily. Uh, and then moving on here, a couple other stories. This is one that was um, – out there last week we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet in fact that tyler buckner the former notre dame quarterback who i mean let's face it is about as average as grits uh the fact that he has now transferred to alabama obviously following tommy reese the former notre dame offensive coordinator is now alabama offensive coordinator and this speaks to a couple of things we've been suggesting and hinting at here for a while we told you all throughout spring practice that alabama quarterback competition was very very quiet and we weren't hearing anything about Ty Simpson, certainly. Jalen Milrow, who did play last year as the backup, unspectacular, but nonetheless, the guy who was on the field when Bryce Young got hurt, it seems like he's still the best option for Alabama now based on guys who've been with the program. But now Buckner comes in try to compete for that job. You know, Buckner, who threw almost as many interceptions as touchdowns when he had a chance to play for Notre Dame a year ago. And listen, maybe with better talent around him, Alabama almost certainly has it. Maybe that makes Buckner a better quarterback. Maybe he'll win this job. But for Alabama fans who are sort of hoping some sort of savior swooped in after a pretty lackluster 
performance by both Alabama quarterbacks during the spring practice. At one point in time, they had their eyes on Tyler Van Dyke, the Miami quarterback he chose not to leave, and now kind of settling for uh, Tyler Buckner here. This does not look great for Alabama here right now. It, this does not seem like Alabama in 2023, unless something miraculous happens. It does not seem like Alabama in 2023 is going to have the kind of quarterback that Tide fans are used to having. This was a very intriguing development. Alabama forced to take a quarterback of a much lesser stature than they're used to bring into this program. That is worth following. And then I'll, I'll do a couple of other things real quickly. Speaking of quarterback situations, Jeffrey Lee, a former Nebraska quarterback in the transfer portal, looks like Auburn's going to host him. Uh, Hugh Freese has said they want to be as aggressive in the portal as anybody, uh, but you're kind of just sort of forced to kind of do business with whoever's in the portal, and there's not a lot of big-name quarterbacks in there right now. Lee out of Nebraska probably counts about as you know good as anything right now, so Auburn is uh, seemingly set to host him, and if they were to bring him in, kind of pairing him with a guy like Robbie Ashford, who at times didn't play terrible a year ago, but is also not exactly – you know, a household name, the quarterback spot, Hugh Freeze trying to bolster the depth that he has there. Then I'll also just mention this real quick. You know, I thought it was a shame to see Will Levis treated the way that he was on the first round of the draft night. Many of you kind of agree. Now, we've also sort of said around here that we don't think Levis is a very good quarterback prospect, but it's not Levis's fault that he was built up over the course of the last couple of months. That seemingly was, you know, done at the expense of Levis, who ended up getting embarrassed on draft night. But the reason why he was invited, because for the last, you know, couple months prior to that, everybody was telling him he was going to be a first round pick. And I think that he was the shortest odds to be the number two overall pick. I mean, you know, I, this is another example, I think, from time to time of the NFL draft media just sort of embarrassing itself with what it kind of blows up out of nothing that turns out not to be true. The Will Levis hype, the latest example of that. So he was kind of laughed at. I know his girlfriend kind of got some social media stuff because she didn't seem too happy about her man not exactly getting the first round love. But ultimately, even though I don't think Levis is much of a quarterback either. I don't blame him for this. He wasn't the guy that hyped up himself. That was done around him by all kinds of NFL draft media types. And it seems like we never quite hold them accountable for, you know, what they speak into existence that proves not to be true. The Will Levis example may be the uh, most recent of that. And uh, certainly a, I talked about situation on draft night when he fell out of the first round. We will make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And I, as promised, want to kind of get back to the Georgia part of this uh, draft conversation here. What, you know, what it meant for the dogs to have so many players selected, uh, kind of what this does for the Georgia brand, and kind of where Georgia goes next, obviously, with some big shoes to fill for these guys that move on to the NFL. And really no better way to do that than with a guy who himself, you know, has kind of traveled the path of being a Georgia player on to the NFL draft. I'm talking about the former Georgia All-American John Stinchcomb. So John, good enough to join us, even though he's had a very busy last couple of days. So without further ado, let's get ready to bring him on the program right now. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. So the uh, Georgia Athletic Board's been having some uh, meetings here over the course of the last couple of days. John on the Athletic Board has kind of slipped to the back of the room here to come speak to us here for a couple of minutes. John, I really appreciate you taking the time to do that. I know you're very busy. I'm sure there's a very nice catered lunch you could be enjoying right now. Uh, But nonetheless, you're stopping by to be with us. So uh, thank you very much for your time. Let's see if we can get John turned on there i believe we have the wrong uh, all mic. those from dog nation that were able to do so join you 
yeah john it was a great cruise we had a uh, wonderful time uh certainly a uh, a great experience and really one of the best uh parts of the cruise that final night we have the uh, draft party huge collection of georgia fans up there on the top of the cruise ship cheering as every georgia player was drafted i'm sure in the uh, friendly confines of your own home you're doing you know very much the uh, same thing there so i guess i'm curious what were your early takeaways from Another successful draft performance by Georgia. Three first-round picks. Obviously, the Philadelphia Eagles have planted quite a Georgia flag here as of late. You know, what do you make of everything we've seen here over the course of the last couple of days? Well, it's a continuation of what's being built and uh, the, the foundation that raises up this great talent. I think the state of Pennsylvania certainly appreciates uh, what Georgia is doing, and whether it's Pittsburgh or Philadelphia and just across the NFL I think the respect that Georgia has garnered and the players that uh, continue to come here that are talented and develop and be prepared for that next level, it's a testament that another season goes by where double digits of players representing our university are are getting drafted and getting opportunities to help uh, NFL teams. Uh, It's a testament to what's being created here. And, you know, I've had some people come up to me and say, you know, can you believe the Eagles drafted so many Georgia players? And my response to that, John, is, well, kind of. I mean, I, I kind of can believe that because, <laughs> you know, Georgia has had some very good players. And, you know, Philadelphia has also shown a little bit of a penchant for drafting like Alabama players a little bit true. And I should say, too. And, you know, what it kind of makes me think is, is why don't more NFL teams do this? Why don't more NFL teams sort of zero in and center in on the kinds of productive players for great teams who've proven at the highest level of college football? You know, no one really knows who's going to succeed or not when it comes to the NFL anyway. Why not cast your lot with the safest picks, I would assume, guys who've performed at a high level at a place like Georgia? This, to me, seems as good a draft strategy as almost anything. Right. Well, I don't think they are uh, targeting schools. I just think that it's, uh, well, I should say specifically they're not looking at just Georgia. I think Georgia produces uh, a good product, and they say, man, this this matches up with our needs and where their availability is. And it's not, you know, I'm sure uh, Falcons fans are going, oh, we, we should do this. And, um you know, maybe some of that's justifiable, but sometimes it, it, it matches up and there's pools that are created. I know for a while it seemed like in New Orleans we had a, a pipeline coming from Ohio State. And um, when you have good players like Georgia does currently and, and you're putting in double-digit guys in, into the draft, um, I don't think it's uncommon for two or three to end up in the same space. Now, Obviously, Philadelphia feels very comfortable with uh, the, the overall, especially specifically defense, uh, of, of what Georgia, the, the preparedness, the level of which they are receiving these players, that matters. And um, I think that speaks to the IQ, the development, the expectations, um, the, the overall character. All those things matter. And I think you get a feel for programs that emphasize that, and Georgia certainly has good rapport across the league and and Philadelphia specifically. So let me say this about the Falcons in particular here on this particular topic just for a moment, which is that if you're Atlanta, I mean, I'll acknowledge, you have a right to draft whoever you want to. And if you think that, you know, you know, uh, B. John Robinson's a better pick for you in the eighth overall spot than Jalen Carter is, I mean, there's a case to be made, I guess, that being true. But, John, what I can't help but notice as someone who does media stuff for a living is how much energy seems to exist around the topic of 
some sort of anti-UGA sentiment among the Falcons. And so what I would say to you, and you're a businessman, I think you understand some element of this, is to me it seems like, hey, while the Falcons should not ever just draft a player simply because from simply because he comes from Georgia, you know, maybe it's an opportunity to find some other way to do outreach for the Georgia Bulldogs. Because certainly the Atlanta Braves do plenty of that. You know, Stets have been in throughout the first pitch to begin this season. They have a Georgia night each and every year. You know, they always have a lot of social media stuff when, when Georgia wins a national championship. There's clearly, you know, some outreach being done by professional sports teams to kind of connect with the largest fan base in the state, which is the, uh, which is the Georgia Bulldogs. If the Falcons don't want to draft Georgia players, it might do them well to try to do a little bit more to reach out to Georgia fans because a lot of Georgia fans don't exactly feel the love when it comes to the Falcons. I get it. I get it. Do you know the last time uh, Atlanta Falcons drafted a player from Georgia? They did two a year ago. Uh, so, they yeah. did, so, you know, well, took John Fitzpatrick and, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right, and Justin Shaver, that's right. Exactly. So it's not like they never, but I, I understand this, you know, it was – it's one of those things where Georgia is producing such great talent and you have the professional team. And, and as a fan, it would make it a heck of a lot easier for me to track and travel and, and follow uh, some of these players that I love if they go to our hometown team, especially when they're talented. And, uh, you know, there was an opportunity for the Falcons with that pick to bolster their team with a with a product that we're familiar with and Jalen Carter because we know he's going to be a game wrecker wherever he ends up and man that would be really convenient for us sadly I don't think that's what uh, the discussion centers around in any war room um, as to what's what's convenient for fans but I think building rapport and, and solidifying a base of um, fandom uh, makes a lot of sense especially when it lines up well and uh, I don't want to lose sight of the fact that I don't think there's a bias against the University of Georgia I think Falcons last year proved that in, in drafting two of our own and you know I, I hope for nothing but the best for all those but you know I get it it might be easier to to cross pollinate a little bit I know the the Braves have a good relationship with with Dog Nation and um, Georgia football and having spoken directly with a number of folks with the Falcons, uh, they certainly aren't opposed to what's going on sure. in Athens and are very supportive of it. Let me ask you about a different topic. And I spoke about this before you joined us here today. I've always liked the NFL draft. It's just fun to hear names get called of you know who's going to go play where. That's just fascinating, whether you be mostly a college fan or mostly a pro fan. That's just an easy event to kind of be interested in. But, John, I hate the pre-draft process. I just hate it. And I think a couple of years in a row now, I think it has played out unfairly in a negative fashion against UGA. You know, the, the examples that I'll cite for all the chatter about, ooh, concerns, character concerns about Jalen Carter. Ultimately, he was drafted ninth overall by a team that traded up to get him. You know, Carter just didn't fall far enough to kind of give much credence to those character concerns, I don't believe. Same thing for Stetson Bennett, who, listen, you know, nobody likes the idea of Stetson getting arrested out in Dallas. I mean, I don't want anybody knocking on my door at 6 a.m. either. I'm not, you know, condoning what Stetson did, but the idea that somehow Bennett's post 
career antics were going to cause him to there were some people trying to pedal over the last couple of weeks he might not even get drafted at all and ultimately he was drafted in the fourth round by one of the smartest quarterback coaches in the league uh, Sean McVay that's about as high a projection as you would have ever seen about Bennett prior to the draft which would lead you to believe that once again all the chatter about Stetson leading up the NFL draft a lot of that proves I think to be overblown you even got you know Mike Florio pro football talk saying it was the Georgia coaches that were planning some of the negative stuff about Carter which I don't believe for a moment but when you add that to like red flags over injuries and things like that boy it seems like uh, John the last couple of years a lot of Georgia players have had to play defense against a lot of whispers and innuendos ahead of the NFL draft if you're a Georgia fan I think you have a right to ask you know where's all this coming from and how come so little of this proves itself to be true yeah, there's a lot of smoke. There's a lot of chatter. It, it's funny. When you're at the top, there's everybody nipping at your heels. And I think Georgia is certainly experiencing that. And, and when you have those dead, quiet times, I do think that there's a lot of lazy media out there that sees an article and says, ooh, that's kind of inflammatory. I might get a couple clicks on it sure. in, a, in a dead, otherwise dead period of time. And Georgia is a name that people are going to read about, and they're, they're interested in what's happening with our players. And so when you have a little bit of a thread and all of a sudden you've weaved yourself you know, a, a suit out of it, then uh, I think that's where we've gotten ourselves. I don't think it was quite the, uh, the, the level of which many of the folks um, – had made these stories out to be whether they were Jalen or Stetson, um, you know, they make much more of a, a mountain out of the molehills that existed. And I, you know, with Jalen specifically, I don't want to minimize uh, the, the situation that happened in January and, and his participation in it. But when you question an entire, you know, the body of work and his character and all the things that, uh, people were really pointing at, I, you know, I think they've certainly connected more dots than existed. I want to ask you one thing before we let you go here, but prior to that, is there any draft pick, you know, kind of beyond, I guess, just the, the, the top ones, you know, Nolan and uh, and, and, and Broderick and uh, Jalen obviously in the first round, is there any other Georgia draft pick that you thought was particularly interesting in terms of player, fit for team, value for the team that got him? Anything that jumped out at you about the draft? Well, I think Stetson out in L.A., I think that is a great fit. I think he's in a really good spot, and, uh, you know, he's behind another Georgia boy who super talented and someone we're, we're very proud of. He's also a guy that uh, might provide some opportunities for, for his backup just because of his style of play. I mean, Matt Stafford is a gritty dude who goes out there and, and gives his body every game, and uh, you know, at times, that costs him some games. So there might be some opportunities for Stetson uh, to show what he can do at that next level. And I think we've all experienced, given opportunity, he certainly excelled. So um, he'll, he'll be fun to watch. Um, obviously, uh, yeah, you, I was a little bit fascinated to think that seven other tight ends go before Darnell Washington yeah. in the draft. That's a, that's a head-scratcher for me. Um so, I, again, you, know, you look at last year, Pittsburgh picks up George Pickens, and he has a stellar rookie season. Um, I think they're one of those organizations that, that just values high-quality players and picks up guys um, that, are, that probably should be long gone before they're able to pick them. And Darnell falls into that category for me this year. 
I think he's going to have a big season for them and is going to be an immediate contributor. Finish with this, you know, social media and video stuff now gives us a chance to see things that we would not have been able to see years ago. And the Seattle Seahawks shared a great video of when they selected Kenny McIntosh. And Kenny, who obviously I'm sure was disappointed that he had to wait that long to hear his name called, was nonetheless just so gracious about the the chance to go play in the NFL and to actually hear an NFL Mm -hmm. team say, we want to draft you. And speaking to Pete Carroll on the phone, you know, kind of a famous coach and I'm curious about your own draft night, John, about how emotional was that for you? Obviously, I've never been selected for the NFL draft, but I can imagine that must be, you know, apart from maybe marriage and, you know, having kids, things like that, that had to be about the most emotional moment of your life. What was it like when the New Orleans Saints let you know, hey, we're going to draft you? I mean, you knew you were going to get drafted, but 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 when it finally happened and when you're finally selected, like like how how much of a moment really was that for you, John? <laughs> It is emotional. It's also loud. And, you know, you're grateful because you're usually surrounded by friends and family, and they're excited for you. The only issue with that is you can't hear the coach on the other, you know, your <laughs> new employer. I couldn't hear a word of what Coach Hazlitt was saying. I'm like, uh-huh. oh, no. You know, it gives this bad impression of I don't care what he says. I could, but, you know, in the background, family is excited and cheering and crying and clapping hands and high fiving and that whole thing. So, it's a great moment, and you know I listened to the the Kenny McIntosh uh, both of his phone calls this yeah. morning, and it puts a smile on your face because you know the opportunities and all the work that's gone into and led up to those moments. And you know I, across the board, everybody's ready to prove it, right? I mean, this period of time from uh, the end of college season to the draft, it feels like forever for these guys, and now they have direction and they know uh, where they're going to get their next opportunity and um, you're just excited about starting that process because it's felt like forever since uh, you know you've left your your college dorm room and uh, waiting for this opportunity to figure out where you're going to be playing next boy john that's a great story i appreciate you sharing that with us and thanks so much for being with us a part of uh, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Endo and Door of Georgia here today. When we come back, talk to you again in the future. We'll talk more about the athletic board and kind of how things are looking for Georgia moving forward. But great to get your insight on the draft here today, and we'll uh, look forward to doing this with you again very, very soon as well. Appreciate it, B.A. Go dogs. And boy, don't you know, <laughs> he tells a great story. It's like when you have that conversation with your new employer, unless we've all had new jobs and, you know, new employers, it's like the one thing you desperately don't want is for the conversation to be awkward and so when you've got uh, you know Jim Hassett trying to talk to him, but he can't hear what Hassett's saying, you know, tech, uh, cell phone technology, obviously early 2000s, not quite being what it is today. You know, everybody hooping and hollering there in the room. My guess is that does lead to some pretty awkward conversations. Uh, but nonetheless, great to kind of get a sense of what that's like. And, you know, for the for the parents who see their you know sons go on to be drafted like that, for the players themselves who probably, you know, played that scene in their mind out many, many times, what a magical special moment and great job by these NFL teams and you know George and obviously our buddy Mike Griffith spent some time with Kenny McIntosh this past weekend great for all those folks who are going to bring us into the uh, forefront on all that we get a chance to see that because it is truly a special emotional day and for all we spend time talking about who's going to win this and who's going to win that ultimately it's human beings that, that that play these games and it's human beings that have a chance to further their life and, and get life-changing sums of money and you know, certainly there's plenty of room to be happy for so many George players. Ten dogs selected in this NFL draft. What a weekend it was for them. 
man, what a week it was for us. Dog Nation Cruise has come to an end. I'm going to be telling you a lot about the fun that we had on this over the course of the uh, next little bit, highlighting some of those great moments just because I love reliving it. It's sort of one of those things. Uh, you just want to kind of go back and kind of relive it in your mind. I'll show you this today. We'll give a golden shoe here to the entirety of the Dog Nation Cruise group. This is most everybody anyway. Kind of gathering there for a fun picture on the final line of that cruise right there on Independence of the Seas, right there on the pool deck. And you see so many cool dog fans having such a good time. Uh, I'm somewhere right there in the middle there as well. It was just a great, great experience. So I hope we get a chance to do this again really soon. And I hope for so many of you who were not able to be on this one that you can be on one with us sometime very soon because it is an experience not to be missed we also made fun of those lousy stinking gators off the top of the program today we'll remind them in jacksonville 180 days from right now they get a beat down coming at the hands of the georgia bulldogs that is our gator hater countdown we will see you again tomorrow